This is a story about ideas. Ideas about life. Ideas about connection. Ideas about space. No, not like the final frontier. Like actual physical space here on Earth. Like a coffee shop or a highway. Okay, wait. How can physical space also be an idea? Well, if you're curious, stay with me. Because it turns out this thing we call nature, it's one of those ideas. Part physical, part something else. And over the next few minutes, I'm going to unpack this thing. Or rather, I'm going to give it the old college try. Do you, Do you even, even nature? nature? I nature, therefore I am. Huh? I'm stumped. <laughs> I'm tree stumped. For those of you that don't know, I'm Cecilia, and this is a podcast that explores the tricky relationship between people and the environment. Okay, so before we get started, I just want to say that originally when I set up to make this episode, I wanted to find out what it is that makes people attracted to certain natural spaces. And in particular, I was interested in parks, be it an urban park or something more remote like a nature reserve. And of course, I had some thoughts about this. I mean, for me, growing up in Canada... Visiting parks was such a huge part of my childhood. But when I actually started to ask people about why they go to nature, I realized that people had a really hard time talking about it. One person I asked even went so far as to stop the interview, saying that the question made them uncomfortable. But seriously, why is nature so hard to talk about? The fact is that parks are a really important part of our lives. I mean, park spaces are so powerful that they even become part of our cultural identity. I mean, what would New York be without Central Park or Vancouver without Stanley Park? To be honest with you, I can't even picture it. So in order to dig a little deeper, I asked Georgia, Judith and Tim what their thoughts were about going to parks. Have a listen. Do you want to start, Tim? Yeah, what do you get when you go to nature? I get calm. I think it calms me down. That's what I, what I mostly get from it. Um, so I sometimes forget about it in stressful times in my life. And then when I end up going to park or walk through a forest, I feel some sort of immediate relief. And I think there's even some research on that, that like the green of leaves, leaves calms down. Hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you. <laughs> Judith, what do you get when you go to a park? I was going to say a similar thing. I also feel very calm very serene um it's i I recently read this article about um japanese about this japanese word called forest bathing and so people literally just go to forests or parks to Mm -hmm. be there not to do any activities but just to be there and i can totally relate to that like just being close to these large trees who have seen so much and um I don't know, the air is much fresher and the colors are nice and there are all these different textures and it's just a really stimulating yet relaxing place to be. Sounds almost therapeutic. Yeah, it is. Georgia, what do you get when you go to a park? A park. Or nature in general. Right. I, uh, I get very similar feelings to what you guys have described. Um, what I immediately recognize here is that there's a sense of what I don't get, which is I don't get all the busyness of my phone and my screen and 
the traffic and all that sort of stuff. And so as a result, it's an opportunity to connect with yourself as much of a cliche as that sounds, but also with, um, with, uh, nature and serenity and all that. So you would say that you kind of go there to escape a little bit. Mm hmm. Yep. I would. Great. What about you, Cecilia? What do you get when you go to nature? Um, I think for me going to park spaces and, um, especially like the bigger national parks in Canada, I really, um, I mean, there's a large amount of sentimentality that I get. I feel really close to my family. This is where I come from is, uh, connecting kind of, especially with my dad, like growing up, I have a strong sense of being with my family when I'm able to go outside. So there's definitely that aspect. And then I can totally relate to the, you know, escapism, especially from the city. I mean, we all live in, um, urban areas. <laughs> and so the ability to kind of move away from that into something different where you're not kind of bombarded from all angles uh, with noise and other people, it's kind of just like an opportunity to relax that you can't really get in another kind of environment for me. So yeah, similar. I'm willing to bet that a lot of the people listening have had similar experiences when they visit park spaces, be it in the city or something more remote. But I'm not going to lie, I'm not at all satisfied with an understanding of what parks are and the role they have in society, which is confined to the personal experiences of a few master students. And you shouldn't be either. So now it's time for the part of the episode which I like to call a brief history of the park idea. There's a story you might have heard before. And for all intents and purposes, this story, in a lot of ways, is the founding story for the park idea. And it goes like this. A man and woman are born in a garden. The garden is bountiful, teeming with life, and safe. In the garden, nature is tame, orderly, and provides for the man and woman living within its gates. However, outside of the garden, nature is unruly. It is a place filled with danger, deceit, and unpredictability. Outside of the garden, there is only wilderness. Now, up until around the late 18th century, this duplicitous idea of nature, of both garden and wilderness, of good versus evil, mostly dominated the human understanding of the natural environment, especially in the Western world. But like most ideas, this one would eventually be challenged. And in this case, it came in the form of a little something called the Industrial Revolution. You've probably heard of it. And this period of time is marked by the fall of the European feudal system and the acceleration of the common market. But it's also important because it resulted in a new model for human and environmental interaction. And the reasons for this are actually pretty simple. As people began moving from the countryside into cities, the way society was organized shifted from agrarian, which is just another word for an agricultural-based society, to an industrial one, characterized by technological production and consumption, hence the revolution. By now, you may be asking yourself, what does any of this have to do with parks? Parks were first introduced as a way of improving the quality of life for people living in these early cities, because the new generation of elites thought that green spaces would help the productivity of laborers. And the inspiration for this actually came from the Romantic movement, in poetry of all places. And for me, this is the interesting part. 
because the Romantic movement was really a response to industrialization and the kind of new environmental problems that it created. British poets started to write about nature in a way that was quite different from the story I told earlier about the Garden of Eden. In their nature story, the wilderness became a place for regeneration and for connection. And for the first time, nature was reframed as something worth preserving, precisely for the reason that it was untouched by humans. So when you think about it, poets like William Blake and Wordsworth came up with an idea about nature which was completely different and in some ways contradictory to the one which came before it. Now that you know a little bit more about the history of parks and where they came from, I'm going to take this one step further. If you think back to the story I told about the Garden of Eden and the story about nature told by the poets in the Romantic movement, there are a few really important ideas which are underlying each of these narratives. I want you to think about this set of ideas as a kind of subtext or the not-so-visible assumptions within these stories. I'm going to simplify things here because there are a lot of them and just focus on one of these assumptions because I think this is really the most important one for park spaces. And it's the assumption that humans are somehow separate from the natural environment. The idea is pretty easy to spot in the story of Eden, but within the Romantic movement, it's a little less visible. So I'll just say that the caveat here is that nature is given an intrinsic value when it is untouched by humans. I'm sure you actually don't have to do much thinking to come up with some examples of this assumption at work. But what I'm trying to get at here is that the stories we tell as a society can and do change. And as they do, they tend to leave things behind. Often, this is in the form of ideas that go on to shape our understanding of the world and our place within it. And I think that's what's happening with parks. Even though they're a certain type of space, like a mall or a coffee shop, they're the result of what society has said nature should be. With this in mind, I'm going to leave you with one final idea. And that is that even though parks today perform a really important function, especially in terms of conservation, they may actually be reinforcing some pretty unsustainable ideas. Think about this. If as a society we say that nature is meant to happen in certain locations, like park spaces, or that nature has value only when it is pristine or untouched, that means that there are some places where nature is not supposed to happen. So in this way, does the fact that we have parks and nature reserves actually work to justify or legitimize environmental degradation elsewhere? And when we go to parks to connect with nature, are we bringing that connection with us? Do we go to nature with the idea of what we will find there already? Where do we get those ideas? Now, I don't want to disappoint anyone, but I don't have a definite answer to these questions. You can call me old-fashioned, but I do feel a sense of connection when I go to nature. And it's an experience I would definitely advocate for. But Maybe if we can point out what ideas we have about nature, which are unsustainable, we can start to get a better understanding of where to go from there. so much for listening everyone i really hope you enjoyed the episode i want to give a special shout out to nicholas at af radio for helping us in the studio as well as a big thank you to georgia judith and tim for humoring my nature rants over the past few months if you like this podcast check us out on facebook at do you even nature and stay tuned for more episodes